My name is Lieutenant Aldo Rain, and I'm putting together a special team, and I need me two podcasters. We're going to be dropped down into France, dressed as audience members. And once we're in enemy territory as a bushwhacking guerrilla podcasting team, we're going to be doing one thing and one thing only. Talking about killing Nazis. Now, I don't know about y'all, but I sure as hell didn't come down from the goddamn Smoky Mountains, cross 5,000 miles of water, fight my way through half of Sicily, and jump out of a fucking aeroplane to teach podcast listeners about Quentin Tarantino. They're the foot soldiers of a Tarantino-hating mass murderer maniac, and they need to be destroyed. Sound good? Yes, sir! Gentlemen, you can't fight in here. This is the war room. You can't handle the truth. King Kong ain't got shit on me. I am I'm so much crazier. I am the one who knocks. Go ahead. Make my day. Welcome to Facing Off, a podcast where we take two movies that we find to be similar and we compare, contrast, and rate them. I am Gabe. I am Nick. Hey, Nick. Hey, Gabe. How you doing tonight? I'm doing all right, man. Good. Uh, yeah, what's new with you? How was your Halloween? Uh, spooktacular. It was Ooh, good. Sick. It was good. Good category. Yeah, it was a great category. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we just, uh, you know, just went to a, a restaurant, had an adult beverage or two, and a sandwich. It was pretty, pretty uneventful. They gave us free candy, though. So Ooh, I love free candy. Yeah. Lemon heads? You had lemon heads, but the different flavors? No, no. The, like gummy wrong. lemon heads? Wrong. Just stop like making lemon heads in general. And purple flavor? Oh, I might be down for the blue and purple flavor. Yeah. I'm just such a fruity candy maniac. Yeah, then I'm why did you just poo-poo on my lemon heads thing? I just don't like lemon heads. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, I'm really excited about this. We're going to be talking about two Tarantino movies. Uh, before we start, just a little disclaimer. Uh, we're not experts, and we don't claim to be experts, and this no, is no. just our opinion. And please let us know your opinions. I've heard some amazing feedback so far, um, especially if you review us on Apple uh, those have all been really nice. Uh, oh, we yeah. really Thank appreciate that. It helps us out a lot. So if you haven't yet, uh, please go rate and review on Apple Podcasts. Um, and the other disclaimer is, spoiler alert, we're going to be talking about two movies, and both of them require us to spoil the end. So if you haven't seen Inglorious Bastards and you haven't seen Once Upon a Time, dot, 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 in Hollywood, <laughs> go out and see it and stop the podcast now. Yeah, and uh, this is the most recent movie that we've done. So, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, that is. So, like, we understand. Yeah, yeah you don't want us to spoil it. It's not out anywhere that I know of yet. Is no, it? it's still in theaters. And then he re-released it, really? it with oh, that's more right. He's footage. Good, perfect. That's yeah, exactly, that's what, exactly it needs. what it needed. <laughs> um, yeah. So, it, we understand if you want to save this podcast, right. keep it in your back pocket for a while. Yeah. Uh, so why don't we get started, Nick? Uh, give us a little synopsis of our two Tarantino films. Yes, sir. Uh, thank you, everyone, for joining us as we rewrite history with Quentin Tarantino. He's right here with us. He's just not going to say anything the whole time that we have the podcast, though. Yeah, I was going right, to do Quentin? an impression of... Quentin, right? Do you need anything? No. <laughs> That was his bad Australian accent. Yeah. Uh, join us today <laughs> as we rewrite history with Quentin Tarantino. Today we compare, contrast, and rate Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and Inglorious Bastards. 
Once Upon a Time revisits the Manson family murders and the tail end of the golden age of Hollywood. Tarantino focuses on Leo DiCaprio's Rick Dalton, a fading actor who pals around with his stuntman, driver, handyman, best friend, Brad Pitt, uh, who plays a character named Cliff Booth. The two buddies persevere through failure together and bumble through some misadventures, eventually winding up intervening on the murder of Sharon Tate in gruesome fashion. Inglorious um, follows a band of American guerrilla warriors that carve up Nazi soldiers on their way to confronting Christoph Waltz's Colonel Hans Landa of the SS. Eventually, they orchestrate the assassination of the major players of the Third Reich with an assist from Melanie Lorenz Shoshana. A Jewish, a Jewish survivor of uh, of uh, Colonel Hans Landa's um, awful endeavors. Yeah. So those are our two movies. Cool. Both Tarantino movies, both Brad Pitt vessels. Yeah. So uh, Nick and I are both big fans of Quentin Tarantino. I am, uh, to a certain degree, a psychotic fan of early <laughs> Quentin Tarantino movies. Uh, <laughs> if you haven't heard me on Well Actually, I went on there and... Uh, held down the fort as the expert on uh, Pulp Fiction, which is absolutely incredible. And then uh, both of these movies are kind of fun because they both, uh, to varying degrees, rewrite history. Mm-hmm. Um, they're both with Pitt. They got a lot of Pitt action. And no smelly Pitts. No. Mmm, sensual. Both sensual Pitts. I mean, there's no such thing as a non-sensual Brad Pitt. yeah. He did not mm. age over that decade, so... Nope. I mean... If anything, he got more shredded. Rugged and handsome. He's like tough, beaten leather in oh. Once Upon a Time. Yeah, but like hot leather. Yeah. Tough. Okay. He's like tough, beaten <laughs> But uh, leather. yeah, that's kind of why we're comparing the two of them. Uh, and so, let's get right into it, and let's uh, break down what the categories are uh, very sure quickly. Um Obviously, we're going to do our scale, our one to seven scale, uh, yep. seven being highest, one being lowest, four being average or neutral or in between. Um, and we are going to use our uh, typical five categories with uh, a quick substitution. We took out legacy in lieu of a, uh, a category that we call feet or inches. <laughs> because Tarantino loves He's a feet. feet guy. Yeah, he loves He's his a big foot fan fetish. of feet. Oh yeah. Uh, so that's our cleverly named uh, substitute for legacy, and it basically it is a category that is legacy, but through the lens of Quentin Tarantino. We'll explain it more when we get there. Ready? Absolutely. Yeah, I'm ready. Steady. Let's start with actoring. Okay. Uh, uh, which let's movie? Let's start with Inglorious Bastards. Okay. I gave it a seven. Yeah. Okay. So because uh, it's my favorite. Yeah. Um, so actoring is a category where we just talk about everything that goes into the characters and the performances, um, whether that be good or bad acting, uh, did the directors, writers, producers, uh, assistants, whoever, uh, allow the actors (laughs) to work at the best of their ability. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's important. You can't be giving them food poisoning. No. Um, I, I heard today from a coworker that, um, there should be any meeting that does not have snacks, should just be an email. True that. And I fully agree with that. I'm going to marry your coworker. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, all right. So you said seven for Inglorious Bastards out of seven. I did. Uh, care to explain why? Yes, I do care, which is why we have this podcast. Uh, oh, yeah. Good point. <laughs> it is uh, my favorite Quentin Tarantino movie is Inglorious Bastards. 
Um, I do not think there is any flaw in the acting, directing, mm-hmm. or writing of this movie. Got it. It's pretty brilliant all the way through. Um, highlight, let's say, I mean, I could pick any actor, but let's say Christoph Waltz in like yeah. every scene he's in. One of the in. most incredible performances of all time. Granted, he seems to just kind of do this performance yeah, but this came first. Multiple a, other yeah. times after, so yeah. then it's a little bit cheapened, but he's phenomenal. So let's just say uh, the intro scene with Christoph Waltz as a, a, a snapshot of how good his acting yeah. is, how Hans good the Landa directing is, and the writing is in this movie. It's like a perfect blend of comedy and lightheartedness at the beginning, and then just absolute terror and uh, just yeah, taking like you a, a brilliant perfect, hunting character. Right. It's a perfect snapshot yeah. of what his character ends up being throughout the movie, and it's, right. it's an amazing example of why the acting, the actoring in this movie is a seven for me. Right. I think it's flawless. Okay. Uh, I'm going to give it a six. Why? Uh, because, is it BJ Novak? Well, no. Okay. So uh, for a few reasons. <laughs> Inglorious Bastards is definitely one of my favorite Tarantino movies. And we'll get to that when we get to our Tarantino category. Um, I think that it has some of the best acting I've ever seen, particularly um, uh, Christoph Waltz as Hans Landa. And I really like a lot of uh, the smaller powerhouse performances from some of the supporting cast. Um, I think that Brad Pitt as... Lieutenant Aldo Rain, um, you heard him at the beginning of this podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, we also got him. Yeah, he had to Red bounce Clinton. out of here really quick. No. <laughs> uh, and then, uh, so like Brad Pitt has one of my favorite performances, but in a comedic way. And some of it is like, you can see, I have this problem with Brad Pitt. I think he's an incredible actor, uh, but I have this issue with him when he acts, when he sometimes is smiling through his performance. Yeah. I can't tell if he's really acting. Or if he's just having fun, which is great for him. He should have fun at work. You know, everyone wants that. <laughs> but I, I have a little bit of a problem with that. I think it's incredible that um, the performances we have, I think it's like 30% of the movie is in English. And so you're getting incredible perfor- uh, performances in four different languages throughout the movie. Yeah, I mean, stop um, right now, listener, and think, if you're a big fan of Inglorious Bastards, think how many lines in the movie you've quoted before that are actually not in Right. English. There's only a few like really quotable English lines in it. The better yeah. ones are in French or German. Yeah. Uh, or even Italian, I guess. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, and I, I really love like this is like probably one of the first moments that I thought Fassbender uh, was going to be an incredible actor. He's so good as Archie Hickox. Um, oh, my gosh. Yeah. And I love like it, the thing about the thing that pushes it down to a six for me is that it's too goofy in a lot of it for me to think that it's like all the best acting I've ever seen. There are great performances from side actors, and I love like the the bold decision that Quentin Tarantino made to have Mike Myers play uh, <laughs> like a captain, at a boy lieutenant. Um, <laughs> Uh, play like a, a captain in the army and just use his Austin Powers accent, but like make it a little deeper, even though he's a Canadian dude. But um, it, it's, I like it a lot. I'm just not going to give it a seven because I think that there are a lot of performances in it. I guess BJ Novak is one of them and uh, Mike Myers that just, it doesn't push it over to like the best acting I've ever seen all around. But that was, it, that was kind of a but weird But if it was intended to, to be that way, 
Yeah, which I like. I think it it was effective in terms of what Tarantino does, and I think that he had such a command over his actors and the script with this that it's like one of the better examples of his uh, of actoring for one of his movies. But it's I not just think the, like it's like, not the best example. Is that no? What you're like Pulp Fiction okay. and Jackie Brown, I think are just there's not a bad performance in any of them I and see. they're all of them serve some kind of purpose. I guess some people might think that like Kathy Lee Griffin it, uh, is bad in Pulp Fiction, even though she's in one moment of the movie. Hmm. Uh, but yeah, uh, let's move on to once upon a time in Hollywood. I'm curious who you're, who do you think is a bad performance before we move on? It, I just think like BJ Novak is fine. Like oh, I yeah. love, I love <laughs> Eli Roth as Donnie Donovan, uh, Donowitz, okay. but like, okay, but it's over it's the top. such an over, it, it's just like the craziest Boston accent. Right. It's over the top and not in the way that like Mike Myers. Daddy fucking ball game knocks it out of the park. Pack. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. I let's, see you. Let's move on to Once Upon a Time because okay. I do really appreciate the acting in both of these movies. Okay. So what did you give Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? I gave it a five. In acting, okay. I think it was almost a six for me because I think it, a five out of seven. I I just Leo and Brad Pitt give two of my favorite performances in any Tarantino movie. Um, you know that's up there with characters like Hans Landa and Archie Hickox in Inglorious Bastards. And I think that as I'm a huge Leo fan, I, I love every movie he's been in. Um, I think this might be my favorite performance of his. I would agree. He's so committed to the yeah. Rick Dalton role that I sometimes forgot that he was even playing a character and he wasn't just this washed up actor named Rick Dalton. <laughs> yeah. um, and I love Brad. Brad Pitt doesn't have this like, you know, over the top performance as he's had in his career with movies like Fight Club or Snatched. Um, but it is so calm, cool, and collected that you... Tarantino and Brad Pitt make you really love and admire a character who probably killed his wife yeah. and is not a oh, good gosh. person. He's an asshole. There's a moment in the film where you're like, oh, yeah, I really like this guy, and he definitely killed his wife. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, it's a hilarious moment, but there are – I can – under. There's a. this movie is riddled with uh, controversies, even though right now yeah. it's probably like the front runner for the Dude, Oscar. is anything it's, not you – know, I mean, gonna, I'm not gonna go no there. Tarantino movie has ever gone <laughs> out the door without having some kind of controversy. Right, right. But like – the usage of having, you know, a guy kill his wife and like still being cool is just like a little strange, especially oh, since yeah, Tarantino's that's had never some happened like in a movie before. Yeah, but I think it's more that Tarantino's had like sketch uh treatment of women, you know, oh, with Emma okay, Thurman. Yeah. yeah, okay. But anyways, I mean I I'm giving it a five. I, I think that there are some really strong performances. I love Al Pacino in this movie. I oh almost forgot God, he yeah. was in it. He's so good. I thought Mike Moe did a perfect Bruce Lee impression. I, I know that that's a big controversy and I know it hurt Bruce Lee's family, but honestly it was super entertaining and I grew up watching Bruce Lee movies. It was very accurate. Yeah. Um, Margot Robbie's good. Timothy Oliphant is good. I didn't really like his usage of the guy that plays Charles Manson. I just thought maybe don't even put Charles Manson in it if you're not going to right. use him. Right. No, I agree. He was He's great in Mindhunter and he's great in Mr. Inbetween. Which we both watch. Oh, yeah. He is in Mr. In-Between. Yeah. He's the club owner. Yeah. Uh, his boss. Yeah. I mean, I just thought... Oh, my and gosh. And then the thing that really pushes it down for me is the child actor and yeah. the the some of the acting, right. other than Austin Butler, who plays Tex, um, the other people that sure. uh, were you, yeah. in the Manson family yeah. 
Yeah. Just didn't work for me. And Bruce Dern as uh, George Spawn didn't work for me. He's never worked for me. I hate Bruce Dern. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Sorry. Long winded, but just tell lit me, up Bruce Dern. Tell me what you gave one. So I have, I have many of the, the same opinions as you do on this movie. I gave it a six, though. And I think okay. that the reason that I do that is because. Uh, because the performances of Rick Dalton, I mean, Leo DiCaprio as Rick Dalton. I mean, who could even differentiate? And, and Brad Pitt, to an extent, kind of lift this movie to like another level for me. Right. It makes, lets me, uh, I think that, that allows me to kind of forget about some of that other, the other stuff. You forgot the worst acting performance in the whole movie, which is the uh, Australian Australian oh woman. Oh, my God. That the is, director who's like the yeah, uh, she, wife of, um, what's his name? Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell's character. Yeah, Kurt yeah. Russell's wife's, like, in this movie is like that. Her, she like, just, like, ruined her, her probably the best Her dozen or so lines are atrocious. I know. It's so bad. It's really tough to come in and have like two lines. She might have moved the movie from a seven to a six for me in this category. She is unspeakably Same with bad. the pale face girl. Yeah, the pale face girl. Yo, in... Dig this, man. Dig this. Yeah, some yeah. of it's just a little over the top, so I don't think it gets a seven, but it's... I mean, the, those two performances. Like, like Leo DiCaprio is another so person in this movie, and it is incredibly believable, and he's so nuanced like and and if we're going to talk about directing and writing tarantino doesn't let anybody improv ever improv is not part of his game typically because he's such an incredible writer yeah except for yeah because he wants to stick to his writing but he allowed leo to to improvise and he improvises some of the best work in this movie and it's a a lot of it is that scene where he's i mean like beating himself up in his trailer yeah eight whiskey sours or why didn't you just have three like a normal fucking person (laughs) yeah that's all improv and it's awesome that that tarantino allowed him to do that because it lends itself to one of the best scenes in this movie and it's such a good glimpse into rick dalton the character too i agree i'm being a little tough and it's just because i i normally really really enjoy tarantino's supporting cast and i just felt like some of them pushed away from the great parts of this movie right I agree. Um, let's move on to our next category, which will be called Spectacularity, uh, which we've done before. And Spectacularity is just about uh, how engaged you are with the movie. Were you worried about runtime? Did it feel like it was paced appropriately? Um, was it structured well to keep you engaged in every moment? So let's start with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Why don't you start with yours? Because I got a lot to say here. Okay. You have a lot to say? Yeah, I, this is my biggest issue. Okay. I think we have the same issue with this. Yeah. So maybe let's make it a dialogue. I've, on a count of three, what was your rating? Three, two, one. Four. Five. Okay. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I'm giving it a four because I think it is, even though I think it is a really enjoyable movie and I was really engaged in a lot of it, as a big Tarantino fan, I think this is where he messed up the most. Because I thought the pacing was awful. Right. It so was, I was like, it's it's like he it's like he did to me. And tell me if you disagree. It seems like with this movie, like I was just saying, he, he allows people to improv. Right. Mm-hmm. It seems like with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, he probably purposefully, I would guess, Quentin. What do you think? Just let me know if I'm wrong. No. You just nod. No. Uh, it's 
it's like he departed purposefully from what he typically does to try some new things with this movie. He I don't totally know why. Did. And I don't think but that's one a of bad them thing. is the pacing doesn't seem to be up to snuff with uh, his other movies, especially when you snuff. compare it to Inglorious Bastards. There's points in the movie, spectacularity is a category where we ask ourselves if we were engaged the whole time, if we noticed the runtime. Like, you do. You notice the runtime at a certain this point. This movie is unacceptably long. It is. Yeah, it's, it's too it long, and it's. The it drags. Thing is, he, it drags. Okay, so points. he's re releasing it right now with like 30 minutes of extra footage, which is insane because you don't need to add anything. If anything, this movie could be amazing if it was cut better. Um, and Inglorious Bastards, I think, is only 10 minutes shorter than this movie. But the difference is, and we'll get to it in a little bit, is how engaged you are with Inglorious Bastards because he so perfectly weaves in terror, tension, and comedy and action. Um, I just feel really frustrated and confused by this in the context of, of Tarantino movies because it felt like... So, so there are certain scenes, there are certain sequences that were really entertaining to me um, and kept me engaged. The Spawn Ranch sequence is amazing. Uh, knowing that Tarantino had already rewritten history with uh, with Inglorious Bastards, and he had, you know, he was always willing to kill off a major character. I thought the whole time that uh, Cliff Booth was going to die when he went to Spawn Ranch, and I it, did was too. it was incredible how he built the tension in that way. And then I really enjoy, I enjoy the way he did the Lancer scene. I don't know how important it was to the whole movie to have like 30 minutes dedicated to the pilot episode of Lancer, (laughs) but I, I really enjoyed it. I thought he did it in a really fun way. I was, (laughs) I really believed in, I believe that Rick Dalton was playing another character. Like I thought I was watching Rick Dalton in in this show. Um, And I think the Bruce Lee scene was really fun, regardless of the controversy. Um, But I think the structuring was so off. Yeah. No, I agree. Either make the movie about Sharon Tate or make it adjacent to the Manson murders. Right. Which was the in, the intended purpose of this was mm. supposed to be two people that lived next to Roman Polanski and Sharon Tate. Oh, shout out Roman Polanski. Actually, no one should ever shout him out. He's a diddling yeah, no, piece of poop. Take that back. Um, I take it back. We have, done, back. Two, we have done two movies that... Are related to Roman Polanski. Well, this movie is supposed to take place like right after he got famous for uh, Rosemary's Rosemary's Baby. Baby. So the the thing was, is I thought Margot Robbie was great. And I think that people in Sharon Tate's family and family and friends were really happy that they got to almost like relive being with Sharon Tate. Um, And she was taken too soon. And that's like... There is this amazing dichotomy in the movie of a famous sort of actor falling from grace and becoming um, uh, like a forgotten person in the TV world. He he falls to the wayside and the public side. At the same time that someone like Sharon Tate is this beautiful like starlet that could be on the rise, and she was taken too soon by in in real life by the Manson family. Right, but. It almost felt distracting when there were Sharon Tate scenes. Like the whole movie theater sequence is like nice, but it doesn't do it doesn't have anything to do with the story that yeah, we're Yeah, the scene where she watches herself right. in the theater. It's so distracting. And I thought like even if he was going even if he was obsessed with the idea of bringing Sharon Tate back, he doesn't even use her effectively at the end of the movie. 
at the very end of the movie, for whatever reason, he has Jay Sebring, the hairstylist played by Emil Hirsch, come down and talk to Leo and bring him up to the house instead of actually having Margot Robbie come down as Sharon Tate. Yeah, I don't know. There's, <clears throat> I don't know. It's it's like such a trope, or or I don't know if you'd call it a trope, or just something that Quentin Tarantino does all the time is have sort of an unusual allocation of of what of like time yeah. for, for scenes. That's something Absolutely. that he does all the time, but it just doesn't work in this movie. It doesn't work. It's in this one of one. his, it one does. of the things that's most appealing about his, his work to like someone like me is, is that that like, Oh, there's a lot of time on this scene and dialogue and I kind of like it. Right. And I didn't used say to have that really lengthy, movie. elaborate dialogue. That was right. fun. And you would point to it and say, this is Tarantino dialogue. Like no one could talk like this. Right. And there are scenes like that in this. I just felt like the pacing was off and I, I was really worried about the runtime the whole time. Right. I haven't rewatched it. And, and honestly, I mean, I know it's in theaters, but I, I want to rewatch it soon, but I'm kind of also like not that excited to rewatch it because of because of how long it is it's like yeah. a task to watch it it's not it's not spectacular yeah sometimes it's just not spectacular and that's so, the point of this category this is a perfect transition yeah because let's talk about something that is spectacular and let's give Bastards. our let's give our ratings in three two one seven, seven. because it is <laughs> it, it's awesome it I is everything that once upon a time isn't in terms of engagement in terms of pacing and in terms of structure right it is there's no lost scene you can't pull out a scene from inglorious bastards they're nope. all incredible even little things like you need the scene with archie hickox meeting with uh mike myers and winston churchill for whatever reason just sitting at the uh, You're the right. piano, you you need the scene with with uh, Friedrich Zola and oh, and Shoshana where where he like comes up to the window while she's like having coffee in that right. restaurant and then she realizes how like popular he is and, and she just gives famous, all the yeah. best looks. Oh yeah, like, she's so good in that. Yeah, there's just there's, her treatment of Daniel Bruhl's character Friedrich Zola the whole movie so was good, just like dude. amazing. There's no scene that you can take out of this movie. It's engaging from top to bottom. Yeah. You, I mean, you never notice that the movie is super long. I mean, at least I didn't the million times that I've seen this. Yeah, I've seen it so many times and I'm never worried about like, oh, I can't watch this. It's two and a half hours. No, I have something it's to do later. It's like, no, I'll re-watchable. watch this if I feel like watching it. Yeah. Because I almost always feel like watching it. Yeah. There are just so many scenes that are so incredible in the way that he structures them, both in dialogue and in uh, with the score that he uses. Oh, yeah. um, I mean, the score in Inglorious Bastards is so bizarre uh, in some of the parts where it's like boom, 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 and it's like that hard like <laughs> German metal in the background. <laughs> um, I would say like a perfect scene that would like a, a perfect few scenes that really encapsulate like how engaging it is is the opening scene. Which is yep. just, you're filled with so much dread. I remember the first time I saw it, I was like, what the fuck is going yeah. on? I don't know who and, these and actors are. In every scene, I just kind of thought of this. In every scene, you learn something. Yeah, definitely. He he keeps it so detailed. Everything is so important. Right. And the dialogue is so fun. And then the best scene in terms of like how engaged you are in terms of like humor and uh, tension is the tavern scene, yeah. which is probably everyone's favorite scene. Um, because it's just start to finish so well structured. I just wanted to insert one more, um, disclaimer here. Don't fight in a basement guys. 
Yeah. Yeah. And basement. offers a lot of disadvantages. And, and first One and thing, foremost, you're, you're fighting in the basement. Fighting in a basement. Yeah. So just don't do it, guys. Yeah, I love it. I, there's like another scene that really works well in terms of building tension and keeping you in suspense is when uh, Goebbels has uh, Shoshana be picked up and she goes to the cafe and she's oh. talking to them. And then right when she's almost free to leave, Hans Landa comes in and he. I mean, it only, this was like probably the 20th time I'd rewatched the movie. This was the first time I realized in my head, I think he actually does know that, who Shoshana is. I think he does. And wants to see where this is going because yeah. he might see an out. Um, it's brilliant. And, uh, it's see, so And that's another reason why that, that actor, that performance, Christoph Waltz's performance and, and, Melanie, and Laurent. Melanie Laurent's performance are phenomenal, particularly so in that scene because. There is so much dialogue that is unsaid. Yeah. In that in that even, one scene as a snapshot. Right. I mean, he orders her milk. He's just he has I have like one more question for you, but for for the life of me, I can't remember what it is. Except for he says he it reminds in her of the importance of the cream. Yeah. Don't forget about the cream. Don't another disclaimer. Don't forget about the cream. Yeah, true. Good disclaimer. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's a seven from both of us. There's really like it's just like self-explanatory how really how spectacular just watch this it, movie like, is. Seven more times, you'll yeah. figure it out. So let's move on to <laughs> eye candy. Eye candy. Okay. Eye candy is a category where we talk about all the visual elements, uh, cinematography, production design, costumes, makeup, uh, CGI if there's CGI, explosions if there are explosions. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> let's start with Inglorious Bastards. Uh, and since it's uh, after Halloween, all the eye candy is fifty percent off. Oh yeah, it's bad joke. Okay, decent uh, joke. Inglorious Bastards. I gave it a five. Yeah, I gave it a five as well. Um, yeah, yeah, we're we're gonna agree on this. Here's here's the thing. It's it a hard is, category to give a seven to. It really is a hard category to give a seven to. And even though we both find Tarantino to be an incredible director and love all of his movies, I think that even so, I don't think that he's ever had like masterful shots. Like once in a while, he has some really good shots and he's someone who likes to pay homage to... Um, to other great directors. He was, you know, a video store clerk who just watched movies all the time and wanted to be like a big nerdy expert on it. And so you could really see that in his influence. Uh, it, you could really see his influences in the shots he takes. I And, and he used uh, the cinematographer Robert Richardson for both of these movies. And I mean, he's good. Like he's definitely good at his job and it is always fun and nothing takes away. I'm just going to say it's slightly above average because there's nothing like a David Fincher movie that just like blows my mind no. visually in Inglorious Bastards. I thought there were some cool things like um, there's a shout out to the movie The Searchers. Uh, one of my favorite shots. Uh, it's a John Wayne movie um, from back in the day. Uh, and there's a shot when Hans Landa opens the door and Shoshana's running out in the distance at the beginning. Oh yeah. That shot is like exactly, yeah, it looks exactly like the shot in the searchers. So there's really cool things that he does. And I love that. Um, you know, I'm just not like totally blown away visually and that's not a problem because that's not really what the movies are designed to be. No, it's not. And then like, there's a lot of like, um, I guess this goes into eye candy. Well, well, first and f first off, the costuming is great. 
in this movie. Yeah, I agree. Really good. The costuming. costuming's great. The lighting is good. Like it's just a good. Like it's an above average or whatever. I think he's actually always had way. really good costuming. Now that I think about yeah, it, yeah, he does. It's very purposeful. It's very well done. There's a lot of cool. Um, I guess this goes into eye candy, but there's a lot of. Uh, like kind of switch ups so that visually you're focusing on different things and yeah, it's, it kind of changes. Like I'm thinking a little bit about the, um, Oh my God, the Sam Jackson narrated. Oh yeah. Uh, parts like it, I forgot about that. It changes a little bit how you're like the design of the movie. And right. it kind of, I mean, that's kind of like a cool, almost like an intermission in the movie. Yeah. It is. You kind learn of about, like- the about God. the inglorious bastards yeah but you learned specifically about the guy whose name i am absolutely blanking oh, on and should have uh, written in my notes what's his everybody in the jeremy army knows who hugo <laughs> hugo stieglitz, stieglitz. Is. yeah dude I how did i hugo forget stieglitz. his name hugo He's stieglitz is amazing one of the, one of the, i should have talked about him earlier that guy came out of nowhere also and was just yeah. incredible in what i'm movie. trying to say is the movie is fun to watch and tarantino takes like uses the visual medium and switches things up in a way that is, is entertaining. And, yeah. And I think he even really, if it's not spectacular. Yeah. Um, it's, it's well done. Yeah. It's really good. Um, so that's a five from both of us. Uh, what about once upon a time in Hollywood for you? Kind of just talk about what you like about it and what you didn't like. I also gave and it a candy. I, yeah, I gave it a five. Okay. Because much the same. Mm-hmm. This isn't really like eye candy. Isn't, like the Quentin Tarantino movies are not typically visually stunning. There aren't a ton of right. If you went on YouTube and you were looking up like best cinematography, you probably would rarely get a Tarantino movie yeah. unless you get some of his tropes. Like he came up with the shot that um, is someone's uh, personal point of view if they're in a trunk. The shot that goes up. Yeah. Um, that's a very famous thing that he does. Like there are little things that you'll recognize as his movie, but not necessarily like. Wow, this cinematography was beyond except you know, right. But I mean, again, like the costuming is great in Once Upon a Time in totally Hollywood. Agree. It plants you in the setting perfectly. There's lots of awesome shots of wide open Los Angeles freeways, which nowadays is extremely unrealistic yeah. and makes me sad and jealous. I know. Um, and nostalgic God, like for a, a time in which in I wasn't, city, <laughs> yeah. which is such a like. Everyone talks about that, but it really is. And, and now if you're listening have, to this from not being in LA, you're, um, I'm we're jealous. We're recording this in traffic right now. Yeah. Oh, shit. Uh, <laughs> Someone uh, else is driving. True. Um, obviously. Yeah, those are good points. I, I think I ultimately just agree with you about Once Upon a Time. I think they, like, the costuming's good. I think the production design is really good. Um, it really puts yeah. you in the time frame in LA. I think it, it, what he, what he does production design for the shows that he's filming, like Lancer, yes, are really that's, cool. That's an excellent point that almost bumped this up to a six to me. Yeah, I agree. Is because of the the variance in the costumes that just has to be part of this movie because yeah. Tarantino has chosen to have like a movie within a movie. Right. Um Yeah, I mean I'm giving it a five out of seven. It's awesome, I, but there's not a knock like I can't Yeah. I can't I, make a big knock on the 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 visual, the eye candy of this movie. If anything, like if I wanted to point out like one scene that I think is really impressive visually, it's the whole scene at the beginning when Brad Pitt is zipping through LA in his convertible. It's one of the coolest car scenes I've ever seen. Second to Ronin, the Robert De Niro film. 
um, oh, that yeah? you should see. It's absolutely cool, amazing. It's on uh, HBO. Um, yeah, I'm going to give it a five as well. Yeah, you know, nothing you know against it. A, I think a scene for me that, that highlights it is, yeah. sorry to cut you off, is no the, the, uh, the Spawn Ranch scene. Oh, yeah. That's a lot of the really... tension in that movie is, or in that scene is presented just in the way that it's shot and and he does focus becomes, on feet in that becomes claustrophobic he does focus on feet boots and stuff like rick to all right booth walking through he loves those feet oh yeah he loved those feet uh <laughs> that was stupid uh all right let's move on to originality uh which is just you know it's kind of self-explanatory but um was anything creative about the movies um did it feel like it needed to be made uh was there anything that really stood out in the genre um, kind of questions like that. That's what we talk about in originality. Mm-hmm. So what is, since we're already on it, let's talk about once upon a time in Hollywood. So I gave it a five here and this is one of the categories Damn, where dude, me too. You gave it a five. Nice. Yeah. This is, we agree a lot. It's like we're boys or something. Yeah, we're boys. <laughs> that's it. That's the end of the podcast. Yeah, that's it. We're boys. <laughs> I'm glad that we established that finally. Uh, uh, this is one of those, those pairings that we have where, I, I gave this a lower rating than I did in Glorious Bastards because I feel like, especially because they're both Tarantino movies, it's kind of a, a weird thing that that Once Upon a Time in Hollywood... Hollywood? Hollywood? Hollywood. <laughs> weird. That's like my Once dad. Once Upon a Time in... He says human instead of human. Yeah. It's very frustrating. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood also rewrites history, yeah. but is less focused on it than in Glorious Bastards bastards obviously is and so it's kind of weird that and maybe that's like the wrong way to look at it that like it it copies that right it's kind of tough because it's like opposite of like recency bias like right it it, but it does make it seem at least in this category like it's not as original however it is a very original idea because it's not the same type of rewrite as in Glorious Bastards. Right. It's such a minor part of the movie when you really watch it, particularly in runtime, yeah. that they are rewriting history by changing the way that the Manson murders happened. It creates a really fun anybody. ending, but it's really not that important in the end, like to no. the overarching story. But it was fun. I mean, it, it was is like... a very fun and original ending that. I laughed at so hard. Yeah. And I looked around the theater like, should I be laughing at I this was laughing. <laughs> Alec and I saw it and I was like laughing, but at the same time, like almost disturbed. Like he almost took it too far. Yeah. Which he does. And I'm okay with that. But it felt like the rest of the movie wasn't taking things too far. No. So it was just kind of shocking. In, so in that sense, that is a very like... I thought a very original thing that there's this like slow burn of a movie and then all of a sudden the rewrite to history with the Manson murders is so shockingly is funny just and horrific yeah. and hilarious and so over the top. Right. Oh man. Yeah, I'm really on the <laughs> fence here because I do think that it is original in a lot of senses, and I think like even taking out the fact that Inglorious Bastards showed that he was already gonna rewrite history. I think there are some clever things that he does here. And I think especially, I, I don't really think another director could have handled this movie no. in a better way. Um, I'd rather it be Tarantino of yesteryear, uh, like older Tarantino, but yesteryear. Yes. Uh, but I, I still think that he put in some creative touches that I really enjoyed. 
And there's a reason why he's probably the front runner right now for director. Mm. Um, and it's probably the front runner for script and picture, which is crazy. It's his most successful movie ever. Um, I just also think that he got lazy in his creativity. I think that normally, as I said earlier, he would take influences from other uh, movies and kind of uh, show those influences in subtle ways. Whereas in this one, he literally remade stuff that already existed. Like there's a scene where he puts, it's kind of a cool scene, but kind of not a cool scene where it's Rick Dalton talking to Timothy Oliphant's character and imagining if he had gotten Steve McQueen's role in The Great Escape. And they literally just supplant uh, Rick Dalton into that scene. And yeah. it's weird. And it I don't like that they did that. It felt lazy and cheap. And that is where I bring it down a little bit. I also just think that the use of Sharon Tate was bizarre. And it was either like make the most of the movie about her or make it less about her. But is that more original because of the strange allocation of time and it's and like resources in the movie it's creative and original yeah, is it more but creative it's frustratingly not what i think the movie should have so been. it is creative but it doesn't work for you right got it yeah i would agree with that it's just yeah it's really hard to explain but i i, I am saying that it's an above average movie right. in originality right. it's just that where Inglorious Bastards soared for being so original and a movie that no one had seen before, this one didn't feel like it was all that necessary to be made and all that creative. I think he could have spent more time working on it. Got it. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe he took a lot of time working on it. So let's talk about... So that's a five from both of us, right? Yeah. Um, yes. Let's yes. talk about originality for Inglorious Bastards. I think this will be a pretty simple one for both of us. I gave it a six. Oh. What did you give it? Seven. You gave it a seven? Ooh. Yeah. I just talked for a while, so why don't you tell me why you gave it a six? I, I couldn't tell you why I didn't give it a perfect score. Yeah. But I just think that, I mean, obviously it's well above average in this category. It needed to be made. Right. It's phenomenally structured. It's creative. Uh, it's got a very interesting and, and uh, unique kind of style of comedy in a way that not all uh not all of quentin tarantino's movies have the same kind of comedic yeah it's a little different than the average like it's different than his i don't know like i can't put my finger on why it's different like yeah i kind of see where you're going and it's the way that it's funny is different than other quentin tarantino movies are funny it's not like a slap like more slapsticky it's just more like it's goofy in the perfect moments to right. be goofy, I think, and that's one of the things that I think is really original about the movie. Yeah, it's the structuring sort of of yeah. where he puts in different emotions. It's just like really, really well put together, and yeah. that makes it like Im- impossible for me to say that it there's anything about it that I would not have made right that way. That uh, so I think that it's very original for that that reason. I don't know why I didn't give it a seven. I'm I'm gonna think about I, I totally agree. why I wrote a six on this piece of paper. I mean, I'll let you know why I'm giving it a seven. Right. I think first of all, um, it's original in the sense that it was the first big movie I'd ever seen to recreate history and rewrite yeah. it in a really fun and absurd way. I can't even 
I, I can't fully remember, but I still have the feeling of how I felt in the move in the theater yeah. when I saw Hitler's yeah. face being machine gunned <laughs> and all the Nazis like burning to death and getting killed. I shouldn't be that excited about violence, but I am a Jew and they had it coming and it was incredible for us. Um, I think though he borrows from other uh, films, like I said earlier, he really paid close attention to detail and tried to make it as uniquely a Tarantino movie as possible. Right. I think the humor, the violence, and suspense are so creatively balanced that it really like stands out in the history of movies and in the genre itself, whatever genre it is, I guess. Yeah. Period piece. Uh and it, I think it's just always going to be praised for its ingenuity. And there was like, even though it didn't work for everyone at the time, I think it was nominated because it was incredible and no one had seen that before. And it was so fun and so well balanced in terms of like where he was taking us. And it kind of just makes me wish that he made movies the way he did before, even though he's still one of my favorite directors and even though he's made great stuff like, like Yeah. Yeah. So I'm changing my I'm changing it to a seven. Boom. And this is why. This That's is speech why. and debate, dude. Because as you're talking, I thought of a couple of things. Okay. So this hard this movie's hard to pin a genre on, right. first of all. But one thing that it definitely is, is a World War II movie. Right. It definitely is that. Right. Now I don't know how else you'd classify it. It's got elements of comedy, thriller. Drama, right? Yeah, it doesn't really all that exist kind of in stuff. A genre, but doesn't it, exist in a genre, but it's definitely a World War II movie. And amongst World War II movies, it's the most original that I can think of. Definitely, hands down. I mean, I wouldn't necessarily say it's the best war movie, no. but it's the best usage of a random time period like that. We've seen so many World War One and World War Two movies. Yeah, there's a big one coming out soon. Yeah, there were a lot. It feels like there were a lot right around this time. Yeah. Two. Saving Private Ryan and all that. I mean, well, this was Saving well, Private Ryan was was well before. Yeah, yeah, but it, I mean, I'm thinking like Valkyrie. You're just never not. Yeah, Valkyrie is a great movie. Um, you're just never not gonna have World War II movies and Holocaust movies. Trust me, right. I'm a Jew. I've seen every one of the Holocaust movies. I'm I'm kind of sick of it. Uh, yeah. Even though they're always emotionally powerful, um, I I totally agree. I think it's a great usage of that time period. Yeah. So that is a seven from both of us. Mm-hmm. Well done, Nick. Um, let's finish for agreeing off. with you. Did yeah. you say that to everyone that hey, agreed with you? Well done, well done for understanding my brilliance. <laughs> um, uh, the last category is called feet or inches. Feet or inches. Feet or inches is a category we created just for Tarantino movies, which talks about Tarantino tropes and uh, you know what that means to you and whether the movie effectively used things that Tarantino likes using, like elements of a Tarantino movie, and if it all worked for you in that mm-hmm. way, and does it make it seem like he was the only one who should have been directing it? Right. Yeah, maybe, you know, it's kind of a fluid type thing, but we're mostly talking about legacy and the history of Tarantino movies. Yeah. So where does it stand amongst other Tarantino movies? Right. So let's start with Inglorious Bastards, because I know what yours is going to be, and I know I'm Seven, because it's my fave. Yeah. What's it for you? It's not my favorite by him. Okay. Pulp Fiction is my favorite by far. I think Pulp Fiction is my favorite movie of all time. Um go test me on well actually yeah. i'm telling y'all watch well or um, listen to well actually yeah uh and i i also really love jackie brown but inglorious bastards is so close to being there and i think in terms of did you give how, it a seven i gave it a seven okay because i think this is still 
all the expert usage of like Tarantino's like movie elements, which for me is like his his command on the actors, the way that they are supposed to slip in and out from comedy and absurd violence and seriousness and really good use of elaborate dialogue um, with little... You know, there's little segments and stuff like maybe it didn't really work for me when they have the Hugo Stiglitz thing where it's like him getting whipped. Uh, but like sometimes it is funny and, and that, it's like, such one, a cool that cut. one guitar note that they use. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, I just think that still it, it is something that makes me excited to show people that haven't seen a Tarantino movie. Right. I have to show them something like Inglorious Bastards. So that's why I would give it that. I mean, I gave it a seven in this in in this little Quentin Tarantino bubble category that we made because I think that it stands out. I mean, all of his movies, he is so popular because he is so original. Right. Like he's just unique in, in his own way. And no I one think, makes up the way he does. Yeah. And People I think try. that this movie is all of the best parts of Quentin Tarantino's style blended into one. Like he just nailed it. And I don't think it could get, any better than it got from all sides in Inglorious Bastards. Right. It's critically acclaimed. It was really well, did well in theaters. It's really amazingly well acted. It just comes from all fronts and just, I think, stands a little, a cut above movies like, like Pulp Fiction in his canon because it also has that main, that really hardcore like mainstream appeal to it. And I know like a lot of his movies do, but yeah. I think this one just is I think those two are the, like the best examples of right. that. Maybe Reservoir Dogs, but Reservoir Dogs, like Pulp Fiction is like him honing in on his craft. Whereas right. like Reser Reservoir Dogs is introducing himself as someone who has this very unique style. Yeah. I think Inglorious Bastards is where he goes from being culty right. to being like upper, upper echelon. Totally agree. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, there's nothing more to be said about it. Like, this is just such an enjoyable Tarantino movie. And if you're showing people movies, uh, you know, best movies of all time, in, in your opinion, generally. Um, uh, and if you're showing, like, best Tarantino movies, like, you just have to show this movie. Yeah. Um, totally. Even though that's a subjective opinion of Nick and I. Um, okay, well, let's talk about Once Upon a Time quickly uh, on the feeder inches. Yeah, so I th like if you compare it to Inglorious Bastards, it's just not. It's just not in the upper tier of his movies. It just from feels like any... he lost his touch with it. And see, I don't know if he ways. lost his touch or if he purposefully switched his switched touch it, yeah. up to try new things. I mean, he's been do making movies for for a long time like maybe he just wanted to do something a little bit different be nostalgic for the golden age of hollywood and and try some different things but when you compare it in his like in his uh uh library of films it just doesn't i don't think it it holds a a, a candle to movies like inglorious bastards and pulp fiction and jackie brown and reservoir dogs i think that's old or even yeah. django unchained it's i think it's a little bit below them granted it's a lot better than a movie like hateful eight so yeah. i gave it a five oh, okay you give it a five so you thought it was slightly above average for right. a tarantino movie yeah it's like yeah i think it's slightly above average okay because it's an, because it's an above average movie but there are very few quentin tarantino movies that i think are below average 
Hateful Eight is below average. Don't watch Hateful Eight. Yeah, and the Grindhouse one. But the Grindhouse one was purposely supposed to be stupid. Yeah, Hateful Eight's just like... Oh you should God. watch Hateful Eight. I just don't think... I, that one was a mess for me. I wish I saw it in a playhouse or something because yeah. it was designed to be like that. But I don't really like movies that are designed to be like plays. I'd rather just go see a play. I like plays. Yeah, I don't plays like cool. watching plays. Oh, as yeah, you used movie. to act in plays. Mm-hmm. Great I actor. like plays. Plays are fun. Yeah. I'm gonna give I'm gonna give it a four only because I just think it's just very in the middle for me for a Tarantino movie. Okay. There are yeah, things about I, it I, I really loved. Yeah. I think Cliff and Rick are two of my favorite Tarantino characters. Yeah. And we're gonna get to that in a little bit, a little surprise thing. But I and, and I definitely had fun, but I just felt like he Tarantino's either purposely doing this or he's struggling to bring back his magic that he used to have. And even though this is his most successful movie and people really love it, it's very divisive. There's not a lot of people who think it's like the best Tarantino. No. I would say even the people that absolutely love it aren't saying it's the best Tarantino. No. And I think that it, some people are forcing themselves to say this is this spectacular masterpiece because it's Tarantino. And I'm saying as a Tarantino fan that I was disappointed because it's Tarantino. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just well think... Said. I think that his dialogue, he just wasn't, he, there wasn't a lot of lengthy, elaborate, like ridiculous dialogue. No. There were good ad lib moments and there were definitely like cool moments like the Lancer scenes yeah. in terms of dialogue. But I didn't really think that it stood out the way the opening of Pulp Fiction or the opening of Reservoir Dogs does for me in terms of their dialogue. No, I think the, the closest is the the Lancer scenes where he's... Right, where he's rewriting a TV show. I, right. I don't know how much he actually But then, like, the longest, like, kind of, I guess you'd say, Tarantino-y dialogue in it yeah. is where where Leo is talking to the little kid. Yeah, and that just doesn't and work for me. And the kid just doesn't... I know some I mean, people thought she was amazing. I mean, she's a good child actor, but yeah. I, I, she's a child actor. Like, she's a good child actor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's good she's for being okay a child. But, actor. like, yeah. I yeah. I don't know. I, I agree. I think it just really... I, I really love parts of it. I think I'm going to enjoy it when I get around to rewatching it. I just think it's... I've just felt really disappointed coming out of it as a Tarantino fan. And I think that... I, I'm just a little disappointed in the direction he's gone. Yeah. Um, even though I still really enjoy his movies and probably like it more than others. You know, it's still one of my favorite movies of the year. So let us add it up. I gave Inglorious Bastards a 32 out of 35. I think mine adds up to 38. That doesn't make any sense. It's out of 35 each. Oh, <laughs> I can't. I'm reading my own handwriting wrong because my handwriting. You're stupid. My handwriting is very, very bad for anyone that knows What did me. you get? Uh, let's see. Yeah, it's 33. 33. Oh, wow. A little higher than me. Yeah. I thought I would have been higher. Oh, no, because you moved up to I a seven. changed one. That's right. Um, and then, so what is that together? 32, 65? Mm-hmm. 65 out of 70, which is amazing. Probably the best that we've given but so far. But it's my favorite, one, if not my favorite, it's not my favorite movie of all time. It's like my second favorite movie of all time. Okay. So that makes sense. Yeah. And right. it's one of your favorites. And then yeah, I love for, it. for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, uh, mine adds up to 28. Oh, wow. Yeah, okay. Mine is 23. Yeah. Uh, so what is that? 51? 51. 
Yeah, 51 out of 70 is not bad. No. It's definitely a good movie. I think it's going to be yeah. better when you rewatch as every yeah, one of Yeah, this is not one is. of those episodes of our podcast where we talk about a good movie and a bad movie. These are no, both good both movies. Good. I just, it's just showing... one is amazing and one is good. Right, right. Uh, okay, so we normally do a little accolade section where we talk about who won the movie yeah. and who lost the movie and what are your best scenes. Yeah. But I thought it'd be kind of fun if we ranked... Uh, you know, in no particular order, our favorite, uh, our top five favorite Quentin Tarantino characters, characters. from his uh, list of movies. Okay. His library of films. So I've got my five. You got your five? Yeah, I do. Go ahead. All right. I have Vincent Vega, uh, Vic Vega, right? Yeah. Do you have, do you have the Vegas? I got the Vega bros. You have both of them? Of course, dude. Oh, we agree I, on I'm two I'm kind of mad that he never did the Vega Bros movie. I know. They're both so good. I've got uh, Django from Django Unchained. He's pretty cool. Yeah. I just, Django! <laughs> I just, I love that. I love these so many parts of that movie, and I think Jamie Foxx is just so great in it. Yeah, he's amazing in it. Uh, Colonel Hans Landa, because... Boom. I mean, he won Best Supporting Actor for this, Christoph yeah. Waltz. And and then he won Best Supporting Actor for playing Dr. Schultz in Django. Yeah, in Django and it was pretty much just a second character. celebration of him. Yeah, it's, yeah. yeah, whatever. And then uh, Shoshana. Oh, what a good pick. Because, I love Shoshana. Yeah, if, you like, if you're looking wow, that's at... that's a dark horse pick. If you're looking at his, his movies, like, nobody gives credit to Shoshana, but she is... Her arc is so great. Yeah, I totally. She agree. is such a complex, like nuanced character, and and Melanie Laurent just crushes it. Yeah, so good. I totally agree. That's that's a great pick. Who are uh, your five? You got so the Vega. We have some crossover. I have Vincent Vega, who's probably my favorite uh, Tarantino character, and him like uh, revitalizing John Travolta's career so in like good. a really weird way was awesome. It was a great risk. Uh, so I, I have the Vega bros. I got Mr. Blonde, obviously, um, his brother, Vic Vega, um, who is a deranged lunatic. I rewatched that movie a couple weeks ago and I was like, Oh my God, I forgot how, are you going to bark all day? Terrifying he is. (laughs) Yeah. He's amazing. He's so good. And I just made a playlist on Spotify of like songs that you can only think of a movie scene from them. Like, so I have uh, Stuck in the Middle with You from Steeler's Wheel and uh, Goodbye Horses from Silence of the Lambs. Because mm. you can like only think of these movies that have like kind of ruined those songs in certain ways because they're so disturbing. I think Where Is My, is Where is my Mind on Yeah, there? that's a big one for me too. Yeah. I, uh, Every time Fight I Club. see there's like a, a couple commercials that are circulating you right now. You only think of Fight Club. That have it and I'm just like, why is, this, why is Fight Club in this movie about life insurance <laughs> or in this hey, commercial about dude, life it's about insurance. the mundanity of uh masculinity <laughs> oh, yeah. and all Whoa. that uh deep yeah so i got i got hans landa i have the vega bros i have ordell robbie who is the bad guy from jackie brown he uh samuel jackson is so good and you know what because i love samuel jackson so much in tarantino movies my fifth one will be jules winfeld who's incredible nice. in uh pulp fiction uh yeah uh but both of these movies obviously have characters that i really love and i adore and i'm so glad that tarantino has created all these amazing characters and endlessly quotable movies um 
Don't cry in front of the Mexicans, Nick. Don't cry in front of the Mexicans is the best line. Oh, it's so good. I love that oh, one. Oh, my God. That's in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. In yeah. And what I and I also love when he's like, uh, anybody accidentally kills anybody in a fight, they go to <laughs> jail. It's called manslaughter. Yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> I fucked it up. Um, you kind of did your Aldo Rain impression there. I so. know. I, I'm just stuck being <laughs> Lieutenant Aldo Rain. So uh, to close it out, do you have like a recommendation that people should watch? Oof. Uh, does it have to be related to to tarantino no i guess you could just recommend anything i like recommending something that we probably wouldn't get to on the podcast yeah so hmm. that's fine it doesn't have to be tarantino do you have a recommendation yeah i think that not enough people have seen jackie brown and yeah. i think it is i still i need to rewatch jackie brown it's so good i think it's on netflix right now or it's some it maybe is. hulu i'm pretty sure it's on netflix it is just so good if you haven't seen that if you haven't seen that and you don't like tarantino's style normally you don't like his disjointed style uh or his ridiculous dialogue and like hyper violence i think mm -hmm. that you should watch jackie brown it's great it's the only one i think that he adapted from a book uh an elmore leonard book called rum punch oh really or yeah rum punch nice. um yeah so i say that do you have one I can't think of a movie recommendation right now. Oh, I just saw Motherless uh, Brooklyn, which is Edward Norton's. I really want to see that. It was really good. It's a really good like detective movie. Um, it, it, it was interesting how he did it. I kind of wonder if I would have enjoyed it more with someone like Tarantino doing it. I think it was like a perfect movie for Tarantino, except for besides the stuff he does with Sharon Tate, he doesn't normally get sentimental. Mm -hmm. And I think that a lot of motherless Brooklyn, because Edward Norton plays a character who is afflicted with um, Tourette syndrome. Um, That's awesome. It's like, you really care about the character. That's like really he, cool. it's so well done. Um, yeah. I enjoyed it. Well, anyways, uh, since you don't have a recommendation, maybe no. you guys can give us a recommendation, especially some kind of movie that you want to hear, or a movie pairing uh, that you want to hear on here. And also, please let us know what your favorite Tarantino characters are, because I think this list is different for every single person, right. which is an amazing feat by him. You could send us an email. We are at facingoffpodcast at gmail.com. And you can also find us on Instagram. We are facing off pod and on twitter we are at facing off pod if you're not following yet us yet on instagram and you have one please go follow us um you can find this podcast wherever you're listening to it right now but you can also find it spotify apple pocket casts uh stitcher wherever you want to do it but um it would really help us out a lot if you would rate and review it on apple and tell your friends and family about it uh we want to keep this growing, and we're so happy to have you guys along. We yeah. haven't come up with a nickname for our audience yet, but no, we we'll could come at up some with point. one. Our faceless audience. Yeah, uh, I do have a recommendation. I thought of one. Good. Um, speaking of bastards, since we're talking about Inglorious Bastards, I just I think you turned me on to Behind the Bastards, the podcast. Oh no, you didn't. What is it's it? It's a great podcast. I'll okay. tell you about it. But listen to Behind the Bastards. It's cool. a great. Yeah. It's a great podcast. If you're listening to this podcast, you should listen to more podcasts. There's yeah, a billion out that's there. That's our recommendation. Uh, so next week, we are yeah. going to be doing A Quiet Place versus Bird Box. 
Whereas I like to call it turd box. Spoiler alert to how I'm going to feel about it uh, next week. That's going to be a good one. Um, um, and then we're going to go on Well Actually, yep. a podcast with Kane Holloway and Holly Brown. Uh, and we're going to uh, talk about Back to the Future, which is Nick's favorite movie. And he's going to be quizzed as the expert on that. Yeah. So look out for that. And then we're going to do a special episode with the Well Actually hosts um, on this show. And we'll let you know what that's going to be ahead of time. All right. So you got a send off? Yep. Don't cry. Oh, that's a bingo.